welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Hi, welcome back, my friends. Today, I want to talk to you about money because money is a tough, tough issue when your spouse dies. I know the money freak out for most of you, not for all of you. I mean, there are those of you that are just fine financially, and it's the last thing that you're worrying about. I get it. But for many of you, you've just seen your income cut in half or by more than half or completely disappear when your spouse died. And it's a distressing thing initially because you are so heartbroken over the death of your spouse and it's difficult to face that. And at the same time, your brain is freaking out about being able to survive yourself. And you feel a little guilty about that, right? Like, why am I worrying about my financial survival when I should be just mourning my husband or my wife, right? So um, let's talk about that. Because when Jim died, I was financially freaked out for sure. And I had a belief that all widows were penniless, To me, the image of a widow was pretty pitiful and penniless and desperate and sad. That's not what I wanted to become, for sure. So when I felt so scared about the finances, because I had no income coming in, I immediately took a job. I received an offer letter for a job that had been wooing me from the time I had been laid off from a previous job and I accepted it immediately. I didn't even negotiate. And the truth was it wasn't going to pay me enough to survive that job. They, what they offered me was much lower than what I had been making previously. And now there was none of Jim's income coming in. So I was scrambling a little to figure out how I was going to live on quote unquote, not enough money. And I think many of you feel you're in the same boat. When I was certifying to coach and I was a little freaked out about money and um, I had coaches trying to tell me that, you know, this is all in your head and, you know, other widows aren't freaked out like this. And I was saying, well, yeah, I think all widows are a little freaked out about the finances. They were like, no, no, it's just you. You're projecting that onto others, right? So then I got a hold of a book written by Dr. Joyce Brothers, uh, like over 30 years ago. Um, Many of you may not even be old enough to remember who Dr. Joyce Brothers was. She was uh, quite well known. She was like America's 
therapist. Um, she did a couple of syndic- syndicated column that was published in two major newspapers. She was on TV all the time being interviewed. She even did game shows. She was great. I loved her. And she and her husband were both very successful in their own right, both very well off financially. They owned a penthouse on Park Avenue in Manhattan. That is no small financial feat, right? When her husband died, at the time he died, she was still writing her column. She was booked to speak, booked up for like the next two years to go speak or appear on shows. But she truly felt like she was going to be a bag lady in six months, which is how I have always described how I felt, right? Felt like I'm going to be a bag lady in six months. What am I going to do here? And when I read all of her fears around the finances, I just sat back and thought, wow, If she was freaked out financially, and I know she has literally millions of dollars, right? Like they were pretty set and she was still envisioning herself destitute. And that's when I realized, okay, it's not just me. It's not just me. And in fact, many widows are feeling this way when really they're financially okay, just like Dr. Joyce Brothers, she was financially okay, a hundred percent, but she didn't feel financially okay. And if you are so freaked out about your finances and you're so scared about it that you want to put your head in the sand because of all the fear it brings up in you when you realize his income is gone, Or maybe you feel like, I don't even know where all our money is because he always took care of it. If you put your head in the sand, that's the worst thing you can do because you are not looking to see if one, you may be financially stable, maybe just a few tweaks in your lifestyle and you're good. Or if you're not financially stable, if you are truly in a financial bind, You can't afford to put your head in the sand. You need to look at what's going on and what you can do to to course correct on that. Okay. And, you know, I'm being very honest here right up front because I've talked to so many widows. I have talked to so many widows who actually lost their home. They were either thrown out of the evicted out of their apartment or their house was foreclosed on. I've talked to a lot of widows who lost their homes to foreclosure because they had their head in the sand. They didn't, you know, they knew they couldn't make their mortgage payment, but they just like ignored the whole situation until the bank came and took the house away. Don't do that. You have to look at it. Even if you have somebody you trust in your life to look at it for you, because here's the thing. If you can't make your mortgage payments, then you need to get your house on the market and find something that you can either buy or rent or some other living situation that you can afford once the house sales. That way you get a little money out of the sell of the house to help, to help support you or to move you into a better situation Instead of just losing the house and finding yourself on the street or standing on your kid's 
front doorstep with your suitcase because you have nowhere else to go and you feel horrible about it. Ignoring it doesn't help it, right? So let's talk about money from a perspective of what we think about it, what we believe about it, because this impacts your situation entirely. If you are scared about money, that's when you put your head in the sand and then take no power over your financial life. And if you take no control over your financial life, you're kind of screwed people. <laughs> you must do this. So let's talk about money beliefs, how you can know your numbers, your attitude about money, your very buried thoughts and beliefs that you have carried with you your whole life. Those are all actively creating your financial reality. So what does money mean to you? You can even take a second right now, pause this podcast, pull out a piece of paper, write on it, money is, and start writing down all your thoughts about money. Like just take one minute and write as quick as you can. What are all your thoughts about money? Get it out on paper where you can look at it and then come back to this podcast. Unpause me to finish listening. Don't forget about me. <laughs> So if, I hope you've taken a moment to do that and now you've come back. Let's talk about some money beliefs that come up. I've done extensive work myself around all of my thoughts and beliefs about money because when I started learning about thoughts and how they affect our lives, how they create our lives, and when I started looking at my thoughts about money, I was pretty horrified. I'll be honest with you guys. I had terrible beliefs about money limiting beliefs that would hold me back on all fronts, right? I mean, I didn't put my head in the sand. I did right after Jim passed away. I began using just a basic spreadsheet system to list out all of my bills, everything I was paying for, how much my food would cost so that I would know basically the bare minimum that I needed each month just to pay my bills and feed myself. And then I kept running totals. I kept track every month. I would do a new spreadsheet page for each month. I would keep track of everything I spent and then keep track of how much money I had brought in at the job I took, which was not meeting that total. So I had a modest savings account that I was pulling from and I was keeping track too of how much makeup cash I was having to pull from savings and how to try to cut my expenses even more so I didn't have to do that, right? So your attitude about money is so important. And here's what I discovered when I started looking at all of what money meant to me and started teaching about this and started really listening to other people's beliefs about money, here are some of the beliefs that came up. They may be ringing true for you too, right? One is that old adage that money is the root of all evil. 
Now, when you think money is the root of all evil, you're probably thinking people compromise their integrity and values for money. <clears throat> Here's the thing. It's not the money's fault. The money is just paper. It's paper with dead presidents printed on it. That's all it is. It represents transactions, right? But you can't blame the money for people who compromise their integrity and values for money. It's them that has it wrong because of their money beliefs. Money is not the root of all evil. There is evil that springs from all kinds of things. And there are people with lots of money that are not evil. They're doing amazing work in the world, right? Another belief that comes up is money's not important to me. Money's not my number one concern. As long as I have love and family and friends, I don't need to be thinking about money. Whoa there. That's exactly the reason your finances are not exactly where you'd like them to be. Because you're thinking money is just not the important thing. Now, I'm not saying money's more important than love, family, and friends, but you need to give money the respect that it's due. Oh gosh, go listen to Susie Orman when she says, respect your money. I can remember Susie Orman talking about ironing all of the bills that she puts in her wallet so they would be all flat and neat and beautiful and just giving them the love and respect before putting it in her wallet. And I think that psychologically was a fabulous thing to do because money need, does need to be a bit of a priority. You do need to think about money. Okay. It may not be the most important thing, but to, to downplay the importance of money, it's just going to keep you on the edge of broke. Okay. And that's not a good place to be. It's not a comfortable place to be. It's not even a healthy place to be. Another thought that people were coming up with is money is just there to spend. Just money's there. It's there to spend. This is a big excuse to not be responsible, right? You, you kind of give up your power. It's like, well, it's just there to spend. I'm just going to spend it. And you never get ahead because you think it's like disposable. You can't let money just sit there and be money for the sake of being money. Here's one I hear a lot from people. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. This is so disempowering. This is giving away your responsibility. It's throwing your hands up in the air. Like, you know, what are we going to do? The rich just get richer and the poor just get poorer. And this is your brain playing victim. Never a good place to be. If your brain wants to play victim and say, there's nothing I can do because I wasn't rich to start with, then you will never be financially comfortable in your life. Right? Because the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's just like I had a friend that used to complain to me that she could not get ahead because it takes money to make money. You need money to make money. It takes money to make money. 
And here's the truth. She wasn't getting ahead because she was not making good financial decisions. I knew she was making very good money, but she just wasn't handling it well. She wasn't looking at it well. And she was telling herself she could not make any change because it takes money to make money. Not true. Takes initiative to make money. It takes creating value in the world to make money. How about the thought, I'm just not good with money. I'm just not good with money. How am I going to deal with this? I'm just not good with it. If you tell yourself you're not good with money, you'll never be good with money. Money will never be good with you. You're saying, I can't learn new things. I'm just not good with money. You can learn to be great with money if you stop telling yourself that thing. I hear people say, my family has never been rich. My family's never been rich. That means you're saying your past has to equal, your future has to equal what your past was. You're just going to keep reliving your past over and over again. And if you stay in the same beliefs of your past and you stay with your focus firmly rooted in the past, that's what you keep living. You keep living your past over and over again. When you're thinking, my family has never been rich, well, you're just going to perpetuate that. People say money is a limited resource, meaning if I get more money, somebody else is getting less money. Not true. It's a scarcity mindset to think there's not enough for everybody, including you. When you are thinking money is limited and there's not enough for everybody. You are in that everybody in all capital letters. You don't want to put yourself there. And money's not a limited resource. As I said, it is pictures of dead presidents printed on paper and the government can print more or can print less, right? So money is not scarce. We have more billionaires per capita now than ever. Where does all that money come from? It's not the poor is getting poorer. The poor is not getting poorer. Oh my gosh, look at this country. Even look at the poor in this country. The poor in this country would still be considered rich in other countries, right? It's incredible. People think you have to work hard for money. Now, I definitely grew up with this belief drilled into my head because my family was very blue collar. And this is what I was told. You have to get a good job. You have to work really hard. Please your boss so you can get a raise. You have to work hard for money. Getting wealthy you might think is too hard. Like I work so hard for what money I have now. I, I can't imagine how hard I would have to work to be wealthy. If hard work equals money, again, that's where we come back to, okay, you're screwed because you can only work just so hard. And if you are busting your behind to make only 30,000 a year, 40,000 a year, and you can't work any harder, what do you do? It's not about working hard, you guys. It's about working right, doing the right thing, working smart, 
understanding what leads to wealth, knowing that to make money, you simply provide value to the world and ask a good price for it. That's the bottom line. Now that may sound like so foreign to some of you because you are so locked into, you have to get a good job and work really hard to make money. But if you look at people in the world who have made huge amounts of money, like how hard do you think they worked? Bill Gates made impossible amounts of money. Like I can't even wrap my brain around the amount of money that Bill Gates made. How would it be humanly possible to work hard enough to make all that money? No, he didn't work hard. He just worked really smart. He found the value that he could be offering the world and then asking a good price for it. There are people who, Oprah, look at how much money Oprah made, where she came from and where she has ended up being. And no, no doubt Oprah works hard. She's a bright lady. She applies herself, but she, she is not working any harder than people out there making 40,000 a year right? Everybody has really got their, their shoulder to the, the grindstone there trying to make money. What she was offering was value, 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 and coming from a place of abundance, right? There was no holding back. We have beliefs around you are either rich or you're happy, but not both. Now I've heard that that's not one of mine. Thank goodness. I didn't have to work through that one, but I've heard that from so many of the widows I've talked to who think that you can either have money or you can have happiness, but not both. And I choose happiness. You can have both. Happiness is something that we choose and create for ourselves. When if you follow me and follow along with what I teach, you begin to learn that your emotions don't come from outside of you. Your emotions come from the stories you tell yourself. You can be rich and happy. I have many friends, many people I admire greatly who are making great money and they're happy and they're generous, and they're creating amazing things in the world. It's really challenged my beliefs on a lot of levels, right? You may believe it's selfish to want a lot of money. Oh, it would be so selfish of me to want more money than I absolutely need. This belief will keep you making the bare minimum, maybe not even meeting all your bills. It's not selfish. Money earned is showing the value that you've created for others. And if you have more money coming in, it means that you are pouring more value and love out into the world. To me, money coming in has become a marker for how many widows I can reach with my messaging, how many widows I can help go forward in their lives again, how many widows I can reach out and let them know that they're really going to be okay. They're not crazy, that it's pretty normal for some of the stuff that they're experiencing. 
And if dollars come into my bank account, I'm like, I know I'm reaching more people. I'm reaching more widows. Here's one that came to mind, and it's not a, necessarily a belief per se. It is a belief, but it's just a term. It's a term I used to hear as a kid. And when my brain showed this to me, I was horrified. The term was rich bitch. How many of you heard somebody use that term or refer to somebody else as a rich bitch? Oh, she's just this rich bitch came in. Now, when I realized that term was in my head, I immediately knew this will keep me from ever being financially stable. Because if I tell myself, if I become rich, I will become a bitch. I'm not going to want money because who wants to be a bitch? Or it's telling me if I become rich, other people will think I'm a bitch, which is like for me equally bad. I don't want other people thinking I'm a bitch. I'm sure somebody on the planet thinks I am for whatever reason. It's unavoidable for all of us, right? But if you believe that term, then think about how that's going to prevent you from ever having financial stability because you don't want to be a bitch. Ah, the term money can't buy love. We've heard that for decades, right? Money can't buy love. Well, maybe money can't buy love, but I will tell you what, the lack of money has destroyed many, many relationships. The lack of money can make love more difficult and it can kill love. It could be a deal breaker when somebody is mishandling the money in the relationship or there's not enough money. Money is a struggle. Money itself cannot purchase love, but having stable money and having amazing money beliefs allows for love to blossom, right? absolutely allows for love to blossom. So what are the limiting money beliefs holding you hostage? And by holding you hostage, it could be you are held hostage by a lack of income. You are held hostage because you're putting your head in the sand because you just don't even want to look at what's going on financially. Take some time. You can pause me again if you need to. I want you to write down two sentences on two different pieces of paper. The first piece of paper is going to say, I'm not financially free because. And then on the second piece of paper, I want you to write, I would love to have more money, but. And then go ahead and let your thoughts flow for each of those, right? See what is lurking in your mind that holds you back. Because you can try on these thoughts. Try this on for size. The more money I have, the more independent I'll be. The more money I have, the more independent I'll be. Another one is I love to have more money so I can create more goodness in the world. Those are a couple of beliefs to start practicing. 
because they're amazing beliefs. Let me tell you how strongly money beliefs affect how much money you can have or hang on to even. I am sure you have all heard at least one story about lottery winners who win a couple million dollars in the lottery, like they're blue collar workers, he works at a factory, they barely make ends meet, they live in a little one bedroom apartment, and they hit the lottery and they've won like $2 million. It's like, this is amazing. And then they find out, or the story tells you that within five years, they were broke and back in a one bedroom apartment. What happened? What happened? And it's not one example. There is example after example after example out there of big lottery winners who have nothing to show for it years later. Nothing. Here's why. They still have the same money beliefs they always had. And suddenly they have a million dollars in the bank and that creates tension between what their brain believes and what their brain is seeing in the bank account. And if your beliefs can't embrace what's sitting there in your bank account, your mind will sabotage you until that bank account is back down to just making ends meet again. Because to have that money in the bank, you have to be able to change your beliefs to accept that. If you ha suddenly have a million dollars in the bank and you think this is evil, money should not be important to me, Money is just there to spend. I'm not good with handling money. My family's never been rich. I can be rich or happy, but I can't be both. And there's a million dollars sitting in my bank account. I'm a rich bitch. Oh my God. If you have all those beliefs really ingrained in your mind, you will self-sabotage to get rid of that million dollars. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? But it's true and it plays out over and over and over again, just that way. Now, when I began for the first time in my life, creating my own business after the age of 60, creating my own business instead of getting a good job and working hard, right? Um, it's a bit of a struggle. But I was passionate about this, so passionate about this. I was willing to live on next to nothing to start creating and getting these things going. And I can remember sitting down to dinner with, a, with an old family friend, and he has been quite successful in his life. He was my husband's best friend from the time they were little tiny kids. And I love, I love picking his mind about money because he has, I know, created an accumulated wealth in his lifetime, did it in a manner that he kept his integrity. He, um, I just don't even know, know what else to say about it. He has like some of the most amazing money beliefs. And to me, this is like a fountain of knowledge and he has business knowledge. That's what I wanted to pick his brain about the most because I'm just, you know, starting out with this small business that I'm creating to help widows. So we were sitting having dinner and he 
leaned across the table and he said, people who begin a business to make money always fail. If it's all about the money, it's always going to fail. But people who create a business doing something that's bigger than themselves, like they have that dream, those are the businesses that become successful and the money will come. The money just comes with it. And I said, John, I think that's what I'm doing with this. I think I'm building something that is bigger than just me. And he smiled and winked at me and said, oh, I know you are because every time you talk about what you're doing, I see it in your eyes. You light up. What you're doing is all about something that you are passionate about. It's what's bigger than you. It's what you want to create in the world, which is true. So true. So look at your beliefs, know your numbers, sit down and know your numbers right now. If you're not sure how much money you have, you need to sit down and account for every cent. And in with that, add in the value of the things you have. This is how you figure out your net worth. What is all the money in your accounts? If you have a house, how much is your house worth? Subtract out anything that's owed in a mortgage and figure out how much value you have over and above the mortgage you would have to pay back in your house. In other words, if you have a house that's worth $500,000, and you still have a $300,000 mortgage on the house. This means if you sell the house, you could have $200,000 out of that house. That's part of your net worth. How much is your car worth if you sold it today? How much would you make out of the sell of that car? What jewelry do you have that has value that you could sell, right? Think, estimate the value on all the things you have and add that in to come to your bottom line net worth. That's knowing your numbers. That's knowing what you are worth. And take a good hard look at your money beliefs so that you can begin questioning those beliefs if they're valid or not, if you want to change them or not. Because if you want to know what you believe about money, take a look at your bottom line. It will show you where your beliefs are right now. I could go on and on about this for another hour. You guys, we could talk about the fact that debt is not actually evil. We could talk about how to pay bills with joy. We could talk about how to make money. There is so much more to know and learn about money. Um, I go into depth with this with my certified widow coaches who also sign up for a one-year mentorship with me. I help them build their businesses and we spend an entire month digging into money beliefs. I'm also going to be addressing money and more about money beliefs in the widow coaching center. If you have not checked out the widow coaching center yet for membership, do it. It is an entry place for any widow who is on this journey of widowhood that really just wants a little guidance along the way. I can't 
tell you how excited I am to be offering the video lessons that I have to offer in the Widow Coaching Center. Uh, once a month, we get on a video call and I coach widows. I answer all your questions all for all the members in that membership. It is so worthwhile go do it. Make that investment. It's a very low end investment. It's cheaper than hiring a, a life coach to work with, right? It's, it is an entry point for you to be able to learn some more of this stuff in depth with me and to not be walking through this journey of grief alone. I cover a lot of different things about this journey of grief in there. So go check it out. That's at widowcoachingcenter.com. Again, it's widowcoachingcenter.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email address, you can email me. It's Joanne, J-O-A-N-N at joannethelifecoach.com. That's my email address. You can pause this, rewind it, play it again if you didn't write it down. (laughs) Go have a wonderful week. Enjoy. The weather is turning nice here now. Get out there and find some joy in your day and find a little extra money coming to you. I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>